I'm Jamie Nye. This is the Green Zone on a Thursday afternoon. As getting set for, of course, the AFC-NFC championship games coming up this weekend, Sunday in the AFC. It's the Kansas City Chiefs on the road to Baltimore. And I, when you look at the Kansas City Chiefs against the Baltimore Ravens, you're looking at two of the best defenses in the National Football League. But you're also looking at two of the best quarterbacks in the National Football League, if not the two best quarterbacks in the National Football League, Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes, whose careers are nowhere close except for the talent. Mahomes, every year that he started, he goes to the championship game, if not the Super Bowl. Lamar Jackson, it is the narrative. Can't get it done in the playoffs. This Baltimore Ravens team has been climbing all season long to this point of finally breaking through with Lamar Jackson and getting to a Super Bowl, if not winning at all. But I thought that was it for the Chiefs going to Buffalo. I really did. I thought with that team and that offense going on the road into hostile territory with a Bills team who has been one of the hotter teams going into the playoffs. I thought it was Josh Allen's time, and it wasn't, although I still have a huge issue on the final drive of the Buffalo Bills and them trying to play hero all of a sudden when they were milking down the clock, maybe to kick a field goal to go overtime, leave no time at all for Patrick Mahomes, but after the two-minute warning, they were going for it all, which would have given Patrick Mahomes a lot of time to just come down the field and win, which is what he does. And it's that type of game where you just, okay, you just, fine. Patrick Mahomes, Kansas City, on their way to another Super Bowl appearance because they've been there, done that. They know to be patient. They know they will get their shot. They know those chances will come. They do not panic. If they get up on the Baltimore Ravens, you will see panic in Baltimore. You will. If the Ravens go up on Kansas City, I don't know if you've checked out Patrick Mahomes' record when trailing by 10 or more points. It's amazing how many times he wins football games when he's down. Sometimes down by 20 points. Doesn't matter. They just, okay, now time will just score three consecutive drives, and our defense will hold them. That is what comes with experience, is the knowledge of the game is not won or lost with one touchdown in the second quarter. It's a bigger game than that. That's where I think the Kansas City Chiefs have the advantage. But the Baltimore Ravens are a complete team. There are deficiencies in Kansas City. I think Patrick Mahomes makes up for a lot of that. Some of the defensive players as well. What do you think is going to happen? One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. And let's slide over to the NFC Championship game on Sunday. As the ratings, by the way, for the NFL in divisional weekend, oh, it was almost Grey Cup ratings. Think about that. The Grey Cup was never even close to being touched by the National Football League in ratings, even though they were on CTV and TSN. But now the divisional round almost has the same ratings as the Grey Cup. That Bills-Chiefs game was 4 million people, which was a little bit 
under what the Grey Cup was. The biggest game in the Canadian Football League. So I know you'll be watching. And on the NFC Championship game, I still believe with or without Debo Samuel, the San Francisco 49ers beat the Detroit Lions. That That's how I'm feeling about that one. The Detroit Lions, I feel the time is up. Although I thought their time was up against the Rams. I knew they were going to beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Like, come on. But I think the time's up going to San Francisco because you still have McCaffrey, you still have Kittle, you still have Ayuk. They still have a great defense for the San Francisco 49ers. I think they'll be able to win the NFC Championship game. And it'll be the Niners and the Chiefs. Now, if it's the Niners and the Chiefs, the conspiracy theory is over. Have you heard about the conspiracy theory with the Super Bowl logo over the last four or five years? People have way too much time on their hands. If you look at the Super Bowl logo, and these logos are made well in advance of Super Bowl week, many people have identified that the colors that they use have matched the colors of the two teams that are playing in the Super Bowl. This year, it's a reddish tinge and a purple tinge. So everybody's like, if it's Baltimore against the 49ers, what is going on? Purple and red again? So if it's the Chiefs and the Niners, I don't know how you, how you twist that one. Although there's the other conspiracy theory. <laughs> Gotta love them. That the NFL is doing their best, the officials on the field, to ensure Taylor Swift is around all the way to the Super Bowl. And I don't care... Where she is, she's going to be there Super Bowl week when the Kansas City Chiefs play. Oh, she's in Japan. Her final show in Japan is the Saturday in Japan. That's like Friday night here in North America. Early Saturday morning. She's got more than enough time to get on a flight, direct private jet it to Las Vegas to be there for kickoff on Sunday night. More than enough time. So if Travis Kelsey and the Chiefs are in the Super Bowl, you know Taylor Swift is going to be there in Las Vegas. Can you get her to perform? It would be a lot more entertaining than Usher. But what do you think for the Super Bowl pick? We'll have more tomorrow on uh, previewing this one. Uh, The Baltimore Ravens. I have them falling to the Chiefs and the 49ers against the Chiefs. In the Super Bowl in Las Vegas. one 332 8255 This is the Green Zone on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. Jamie Nye with you on a Thursday edition of the Green Zone. Thanks for joining us as it was interesting news out of Calgary this week. John Huffnagel stepping aside as president of the Calgary Stampeders, now an advisory role. And Jay McNeil is now the new president, former Calgary Stampeder. 
uh, businessman in Calgary is it's a new era. Danny Austin has uh, covered a lot of Stampeders football over the years with John Huffnagel as general manager, especially uh, joining us here on the Green Zone. Danny, uh, right away, speak to the legacy John Huffnagel leaves behind in his time from 2008 becoming general manager and head coach, winningest percentage in uh, CFL history in two Grey Cups to where he is leaving the organization uh, as a full-time president this week. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he's on the very short list of most important people in Stan Peters' history. Probably Wally Bono's up there, uh, Stan Schwartz. There's a couple of them, but, you know, this this organization was in disarray for all intents and purposes when John Hoffman came back in 2008. I mean, he was with the Stan Peters before uh, many years ago as a coach and a player, uh, but comes back as head coach. You know, this is not a team that has many great cups. They probably didn't win as many as they should have over the last decade and a half, but... Uh, 16 years now. That's incredible. Um, but yeah, he would go on. He won three great cups. Not sure anyone else has done that. In fact, I know no one else has done that and kind of led the franchise out of the wilderness too for a little while, probably being the premier organization in the entire league. So in, in, in my mind, I mean, there's just no one who I, I think he modernized CFL coaching and general managing in a lot of ways. And uh, I, I think that he set the standard for many, many years. So uh, he will certainly be missed. Well, you know how a big of an impact is and when, when other teams go, we we want to do what the Calgary Stampeders have done, right? Yeah, and I mean, that happened for, for years. And to be perfectly honest with you, I still think the, uh, you know, you still see, obviously the Stampeders since 2018, I mean, they haven't won a playoff game, so they're not quite in that, you know, elite of the elite, um, you know, tier. But you look at whether it's Toronto bringing in all those Argos coaches, all those Argos players. I mean, the impact of those sort of Huffnagel years and the dominance in the in the 2010s is still very much felt and yeah they created the model in a lot of ways that that sort of teams continue to use so um i mean both on and off the field i think john hoffnagel is a titan of calgary football uh, and you know he will continue to be he's not he's not going anywhere he's sticking around in a, as an advisor i imagine we'll hear him screaming at the refs from next to the press <laughs> box of man for many years to come <laughs> yeah what's an advisor role look like uh, for uh, John Huffnagel. Has anybody explained that yet? Nope. Uh, would it surprise me if they're basically just paying him to hang around with Dave for a little while and have conversations? No, that would make sense to me. Like Cole Huffnagel, John's son, is still one of the head scouts with the team. Uh, Huffnagel's fingerprints are everywhere. And when you've got a guy as smart as that, I mean, this guy this guy coached uh, in the NFL. This guy, this guy has coached. I mean, Tom Brady, um, you know, when you have a guy as smart as that, if he's willing to stick around and come in a couple days a week, I, I'm pretty sure you keep him. You don't give up that sort of brain power uh, if you can, if you have the option of having to drown. Yeah, if only the C, uh, the, the he would have come to the CFL sooner, what kind of legacy it would be? We, we'd be Matthews Buono er, uh, territory uh, with John Huffnagel. Uh, he, again, he's got the highest winning percentage as a head coach, and it carries over in his general manager when he gave the job to Dave uh, as the head coach. But let, let's talk a little bit about Jay McNeil. Uh, who comes in? He's a former Stampeder. We remember him as an offensive lineman, pretty successful businessman. He's already talking about a new stadium. Let's go. I mean, he's talking about how we're not getting a new stadium. I don't know that he's necessarily... No, he, I, I read a story that he was talking about, you know, you got, we can be creative like the Bombers were with the university and things like that to try to get things going. 
Good. I mean, someone should inform the university because they're already building a new stadium on their own. So uh, someone should let them know that, that that's what the St. Peter's want. Uh, I'm not sure how public that is, but it's definitely out there. They're not hiding it. Uh, look, I don't expect us to see a replacement to McMahon Stadium anytime soon, but I've gotten to know Jay quite well. I mean, he was brought in as, as VP of Business Operations, and I'll be honest with you, uh, no one ever told me directly, but there was a lot of just, he, he kind of understood that he was taking over the president's role. So this is not something that came as any type of surprise. Jay obviously has a long connection with the Canadian football community, with Calgary football, and then stuck around here and, and, and was wildly successful in the business world. So uh, he, he's sort of the perfect guy for the job, uh, I think. I've, I've heard him speak many times at sort of season ticket holder events. I, I, I He's come up and talked to me after practice. He, Jay has ideas, and, and whether that necessarily involves you're, you're just going to hear me be skeptical about anything related to a new stadium. I don't think I'm going to see it in my lifetime, <laughs> frankly. Um, but I get asked that question so often, and I, I just feel like I'm the Grinch because I'm just like, God, it's not happening. Um, show me where the money's coming from before you before you you tell me that it's happening. But it's it's a nice dream for for Calgary football fans. It would be nice one day to get one of those you know big shiny castles the way you guys have in Regina and they have in in Winnipeg for sure. CFL fans. Not just Calgary fans. McMahon is a dump, and we all know it. Um, okay, real quick before I let you go, uh, are the are the Flames going to get back in the playoff picture? Or are they uh, selling? Are they selling everybody at the trade deadline here? I mean, those aren't the only two options. Um, but no, I do not think. Look, this team is in a lot of ways overperforming just by 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 staying in the fight at this point. Um, uh, there's going to be a decision on Elias Lindholm that has to come pretty soon. I, I know that they are trying to sign Noah, Noah Hannafin. Uh, you know, given his age, he's, he's what, 26 now. That's the guy you keep. What will be interesting is if you let Lindholm go and you trade him for young assets, those other guys, the veteran guys, the Cadres, the Markstrom, do they want to stick around if you are even doing a small, like a hint of a rebuild? So that's where, but I don't, I don't think that stuff's necessarily going to happen before the trade deadline. Um, we'll see. Markstrom would make a lot of teams better right now. He's been as good as anyone in the league, but do not expect them to get back into the playoffs. Um, I'm, t- I'm telling you what, just like McMahon Stadium with the Flames, tear it to the studs and build a new one. That's what I'm going with the Flames. Enough is enough of being mediocre and picking tw- like 15th. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting because I do think that we've seen a couple young guys come in. Martin Post was still Connor Zary. Jaeger Sharangovic was still in his early 20s. They actually have a couple young pieces where I actually don't think that, you know, that term rebuild seems to suggest, oh, you're going to bottom out and get a couple first, you know, very high picks, hopefully a couple first overalls over the next couple of years. I don't think that's going to be the approach, but I do think getting younger and retooling, um, which I know sounds like I'm just talking you know, <laughs> complete nonsense, but uh, I, I would argue that knowing the ownership group here, a full rebuild is, it's about as likely as like me knowing that cat, Saskatchewan's in a different time zone this time of the year. I'm <laughs> showing up on time for this radio. So. <laughs> it's fine. Nobody, nobody needs to know. Uh, well, Danny, we'll, we'll no leave idea. it there. Enjoy the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets tonight. It is uh, my great pleasure talking to you guys. Thank you so much for having me on. That is Danny Austin from Post Media in Calgary. <laughs> the latest in sports is this. Flames do take on Columbus, but the guys... North of Calgary, the Oilers going for a 15th straight win. They take on the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, in the CFL, the Rough Riders have re-signed Philip Blake to a new deal. And Raheem Morris is the new head coach of the Atlanta Falcons, leaving Bill Belichick looking like he may not be a head coach in the NFL this season.
This is 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. Jamie and I with you here on the Green Zone as are we should we be ready to go to a hockey game, NHL game in Utah, Salt Lake City, maybe the owners there, Ryan and Ashley Smith, are quite interested to the point where they're formally beginning the process to discuss with the National Hockey League the possibility of bringing a 33rd franchise to the NHL in Salt Lake City. Andy Larson of the Salt Lake City Tribune. He is the Utah Jazz beat writer, but he turned into NHL reporter yesterday. Uh, knows the Smiths, has been around this group, this ownership. Uh, so, Andy, tell us more about this ownership and their quest to bring hockey to Utah. Yeah, you know, I, I think kind of the easiest uh, analog for for kind of the national or, I guess, international audience for you guys up in Canada is he's kind of the new age Mark Cuban, right? Like uh, tech billionaire making his uh, money in, in Qualtrics survey software um, and is very much kind of that mover and shaker, likes to be seen with celebrities, likes to be seen with athletes and uh, and tries to bring kind of all of that to Utah, which is obviously traditionally kind of a smaller state uh, and uh, in Salt Lake, a, a smaller city, right? Um but he believes kind of in the potential of the area to to grow. Um, you know, they're they're now the the 29th biggest media market in in America, um, and is kind of the evangelist a little bit in kind of showing people, hey, here's some of the cool things about Utah. Here's why uh, the economic economic development is happening here. Here's why it makes sense as a destination, not just for the NBA, but also for the NHL and. Uh, even uh, trying to get a major league baseball team here uh, in Utah as well. So it, there's kind of a lot of growth happening in the state recently, and Ryan is kind of trying to push, push that forward and, and push that forward in, in sports terms as well. So w- with your knowledge of, of him, uh, the business uh, in Utah, the sports landscape, how realistic do you think this is to actually have an NHL team there in three, five, ten years from now? Yeah, I, honestly, I think pretty realistic. Uh, it, you know, it, it just checks a lot of boxes for what the NHL might be looking at in terms of expansion. I mean, you've got, obviously, a willing ownership group that, that's ready to put up an, ex, an expansion fee. Uh, you have broad government support for a new arena for that team. Um, you know, I think kind of maybe some people, especially in Salt Lake City, are, are a little bit less excited about maybe paying for that that stadium and so we'll mm-hmm. see what that ultimate taxpayer public financing package looks like but um in general you you do have a wide base of government support for a new arena and, and a sports and entertainment district around that arena that makes ownership more money right um it, it's interesting you know i i don't know that there's a lot of hockey uh history here in utah you know the, there is the east coast hockey league uh utah grizzlies team they're an affiliate of the Colorado Avalanche here. They draw okay, but not amazingly in kind of their current minor league hockey arena that they play in. Um, there are, you know, obviously kind of the smallish hockey leagues here as well, uh, just rec leagues as well, but it's not never really been a, a hotbed of hockey by any means. You know, we there's only one 
NHL ba- NHL player based or from Utah right now. That's that's Trevor Lewis, and uh, obviously he's near the end of his career. So uh, it's kind of an interesting time to bring hockey in, and, and while it kind of accomplishes their goals, um, and it does seem like a, a pretty likely scenario, kind of given the the feedback that we're hearing from Jazz ownership from Ryan Smith. Uh, and, and frankly, that NHL state, the statement yesterday was so positive uh, in, in, from Gary Bettman and the league that you do kind of feel like, hey, these conversations have been going on for a long enough time uh, and the, the tea leaves are as positive as they are, that it does feel like this probably gets done. So when we're, when we're looking at Utah, they did have the IHL team, the Utah Grizzlies. I think they moved from Denver, if I remember correctly. I coached in the IHL during that time, remember going to Salt Lake, always had a great crowd in that, that year. I think they won the championship, if I remember correctly. Um, there was the Salt Lake Eagles way back. Um, when you look at Salt Lake's population, as far as the demographics go, are are the demographics there, do you think, for that new fan that everybody's looking for? From, you know, we want that. 18 to 35 age group that is interested in the game. Yeah. You know, I, I think from that point of view, yes. Like uh, Utah is the youngest state in the nation uh, on a percentage basis. You look at, you know, the under 18 group and then that second old, oldest group, like you say, kind of that millennials 18 through 34 uh, is the second biggest group in Utah. Like that is, we are the youngest state in, in the nation. And I think, that's appealing for the NHL, appealing for Gary Batman, um, appealing for those marketers, right? Like, uh, I, I think it's definitely part of it. Like you said, there is kind of that hockey history. Um, yeah, the, the Grizzlies were an IHL team, and then they, yeah, got, uh, they decided to move to the ECHL uh, about a decade ago, if I'm remembering right. It's funny, my mm-hmm. dad actually worked at uh, the Salt Palace. Um, for- what did he? the Salt Lake Golden Eagles, and so uh, has fond memories of that franchise before uh, they moved away. But, you know, so, and, and those games, you're right, were really heavily supported, and uh, I think hockey was a, a big player then in a way that, you know, the, the Grizzlies moved quite, hasn't, hasn't quite satisfied in the kind of same way. But, um, it, you know, that being said, like you said, it's kind of the demographic lineup where uh, Utah is one of the fastest-growing states in the nation. Utah is one of the youngest-growing, uh, is the youngest state in the nation. Uh, Utah's kind of tech scene is really bold, uh, is, is developing, and is uh, you know so you you have kind of this economic base of companies that are likely going to the sponsor the team, and so I think the financial picture does work out. Uh, you know, from a population size point of view, you're you're talking about yeah the 29th, 30th biggest market in the U.S. You know, it's it's kind of right on the fringes there, but it makes some sense you know compared to. Uh, some of the other candidates for a team. Obviously, you know, you are competing with the Houston's, you are competing with the Atlantas, um, but it does feel like with kind of an Olympic heritage too and that younger audience, maybe a, a more winter-focused audience, you, you have maybe a higher chance of success. What kind of sports town is Salt Lake? A, a really passionate one. I mean, I, I really do, and, and I encounter this in my work every day, Jazz fans, uh, you know, they're the only professional sports league in, t- in town right now, but they are incredibly passionate, right? Like, they are as, as good of fans as it gets. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, even when the team is not playing well, even when you're below 500, even when the Jazz recently traded their two biggest stars, Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, they're still selling out the Delta Center. Um, and that's been really cool to see. 
Um, they're they're passionate as all get out. You know, they're they are big college football fans. Um, but these are really really good fans. You know, it's it, they're I, I you know I've, we've talked about yeah kind of the other candidates for expansion here, Houston, Atlanta, and I think they're kind of questions about uh, how good of sports towns those are or how reliably you're going to fill those arenas. I don't really worry about that with the NHL coming to Utah. You know, I, I really think that they could get some really great passionate fans to fill that arena. You know, they kind of in the Vegas Golden Knights, Seattle Kraken yep. kind of mold. Yep. And, I, you know, I, I think that's not at all what I would be worried about uh, from from an NHL point of view. You know, you do have some, I guess, competition there with the Jazz in terms of uh, winter game night schedule, and, and that'll be interesting. I You know, I think ultimately they do play in the same building uh, in, in the end, and, and so uh, you maybe you don't have those teams playing on the same night, which helps Ryan Smith out, but uh, I'm, I'm not really worried about how the, the market will kind of adapt and, and, and root for this team. I think just because Utah sports fans are a really, really passionate bunch. As we're joined uh, right now, Andy Larson here uh, joining us from Salt Lake City Tribune. As is there going to be a thirty third franchise, or is it going to move? Is it going to be Arizona moving to uh, Salt Lake? Andy, what yeah, do you think? I mean, it, it, it seems like uh, I'm trying to read the tea leaves over here from you know, kind of the, the Phoenix reporting and, and the newspapers and, and experts down there. It still does kind of seem like. Gary Bettman wants to keep them in Arizona. Um, yes, he does. But taxpayers are 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 not happy. Are are not excited about spending hardly any money down there to to build that new arena. So, I I, I think kind of the decision there is going to be Gary's as, along with Alex Morello, their their current owner. I, I you know ultimately it sounds to me like Ryan Smith immediately kind of thought, hey, maybe we can be the home for the the Coyotes. And now is more focused on the expansion possibility as, as more likely. Um, but he, you know, he has been clear like, hey, if we are the, uh, easiest path for the NHL to, to figure out a solution with the Coyotes, uh, then, then we'll be that solution. I, I think he would prefer of the two options to kind of start a new franchise with a new history, uh, a new team name, new team colors, all that kind of stuff really kind of started from scratch. Uh, and it does sound like, Given it, kind of the way Batman's been talking recently, and and Ryan Smith has been talking recently, that feels like the more likely option. Now that is Andy Larson from the Salt Lake City Tribune. Yeah. Now th- this is my prediction. It's going to be two teams. I believe the NHL doesn't want to go to thirty three. They'll want to go to thirty four and split at seventeen seventeen. If there's going to be expansion. I would anticipate Arizona's not going anywhere. We know how stubborn Gary is. I'm thinking it's going to be Salt Lake, and Houston also has an NBA owner who wants to bring an NHL team there. That would make the most sense to have two expansion teams land at the same time and water down the NHL uh, even more. Champs and Chumps next on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM.
are winners, big winners. I think you're shagadelic, baby. You're switched on. You're smashing. You tried your best, and you failed miserably. The only thing I'm addicted to right now is winning. You're an idiot. Ah, you're a bad person. Each and every day, uh, one champ and one chump here on the Green Zone. Uh, the chump. This story came from Rick, Rick Westhead of TSN. In St. Remy, Quebec, a 50-year-old father has been charged with assault after he allegedly slapped a referee in the head when his son was thrown out of a hockey game after his third penalty of the game, is the report in La Presse. The local hockey association in St. Remy now directs on-ice officials younger than 18 to wear a yellow armband, hoping that... Parents will realize that they are minors. Some of their refs are as young as 14. Yet another reminder, more work needs to be done with parents and officials. Not just hockey, but many sports. Our champ is Canadian Betty Brussel, 99 years old, has broken three world records in her age category you want to know the age category? 100 to 104. Now, I know she's 99, but she was she turns 100 this year. So that's why she's in the 100 to 104 at category. She broke the record by 4 minutes in the 400 meters and then broke the records in the 50 meter and the 50 meter backstroke and the 50 meter breaststroke that same day. She's from British Columbia, 99 years old, swimming 400 meter freestyle. 50-meter backstroke, 50-meter breaststroke in the same day, all new world records in the 100- to 104-year-old age class. That is beyond champ-worthy, but Betty Brussel is our champ here on the Green Zone. Oh, this is my favorite part. She started getting into competitive swimming in her 60s. Jumped in the pool. Hey, I kind of having fun. And she's 99 years old, turning 100, still in the pool and uh, breaking records. Amazing from British Columbia's uh, Betty Brussel. Uh, the latest in sports is this. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders re-signing Philip Blake. The veteran offensive lineman returns after an injury plagued 2023. Of course, before that, he was a member of the Toronto Argonauts along their offensive line, winning the Grey Cup right here in Saskatchewan that season with Toronto. This is his second stint in Saskatchewan. In the National Hockey League tonight, the Edmonton Oilers, of course, have won 14 straight games. They take on the Chicago Blackhawks tonight. In other action, Boston just about to get started against the Ottawa Senators, the Montreal Canadiens, taking on the New York Islanders with Patrick Waugh in the building as the new head coach in New York. And the Calgary Flames have the Columbus Blue Jackets at the Saddle Dome. Uh, LA Rams defensive coordinator Raheem Morris is now the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. They made that official. That was the gig that Bill Belichick did two interviews. The only jobs left are the Seattle Seahawks and the Washington Commanders. It'll be weird uh, if because he didn't retire to not have Bill Belichick get one of the job openings in the National Football League this offseason. That's it for us on a Thursday. Of course, tomorrow, more previews of the NFC and AFC championship game, and it'll be right here 
980 CJME and 650 CKOM.